We are in our third week of our sermon series on Daniel, Living on the Edge. You may remember that the book of Daniel was probably written in the second century BCE and contains many familiar stories like Daniel in the lion's den and well-known phrases like the writing on the wall. The book is named for its purported narrator, Daniel, and is divided into two distinct parts. The first part are stories about Daniel and his friends who were Jewish exiles in Babylon. The second part contains the only apocalyptic material in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. Even with its different genres, the book of Daniel has a consistent theme, which is the sovereignty of God in history. And the stories in Daniel were meant to advise, comfort, and console its readers. Today's reading comes from the first half of the book of Daniel, chapter 3. It is one of the familiar stories often taught in Sunday school and vacation Bible school. There is even a VeggieTales cartoon version of it. Daniel does not appear in this story. It is possible that it was originally a stand-alone account that over time was gathered together to be included in the book of Daniel. In this reading, we will hear about an ambitious and ego-driven king who builds his own god. Yes, this week, like last week, we've got another giant statue. He builds a giant statue for his subjects to worship, and three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refuse to bow down to the king's golden statue. Let's listen. Today's reading comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 1 to 30. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue. It was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it up in the Dura Valley in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar then ordered the chief administrators, ministers, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officers to assemble and come for the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So the chief administrators, ministers, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They stood in front of the statue the king had set up. The herald proclaimed loudly, peoples, nations, and languages, this is what you must do. When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, zither, lyre, harp, flute, and every kind of instrument, you must bow down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Anyone who will not bow down and worship will be immediately thrown into the furnace of flaming fire. So because of this order, as soon as they had heard the sound of the horn, pipe, zither, lyre, harp, flute, and every kind of instrument, all the peoples, nations, and languages bowed down and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At that moment, some Chaldeans came forward, seizing a chance to attack the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! Your majesty, you gave a command that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, zither, 
lyre, harp, flute, and every kind of instrument should bow down and worship the gold statue. Anyone who wouldn't bow and worship would be thrown into a furnace of flaming fire. Now there are some Jews, ones you appointed to administer the province of Babylon, specifically Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have ignored your command. They don't serve your gods, and they don't worship the gold statue you've set up. In a violent rage, Nebuchadnezzar ordered them to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? If you are now ready to do so, bow down and worship the gold statue I've made when you hear the sound of horn, pipe, zither, lyre, harp, flute, and every kind of instrument. But if you don't worship it, you will be thrown straight into the furnace of flaming fire. Then what god will rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, We don't need to answer your question. If our god, the one we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of flaming fire and from your power, your majesty, then let him rescue us. But if he doesn't, know this for certain, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and his face twisted beyond recognition because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In response, he commanded that the furnace be heated to seven times its normal heat. He told some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of flaming fire. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bound, still dressed in all their clothes, and thrown into the furnace of flaming fire. Now the king's command had been rash, and the furnace was heated to such an extreme that the fire's flame killed the very men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it. So these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell, bound, into the furnace of flaming fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in shock and said to his associates, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? They answered the king, Certainly, your majesty. He replied, Look, I see four men, unbound, walking around inside the fire, and they aren't hurt, and the fourth one looks like one of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went near the opening of the furnace of flaming fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The chief administrators, ministers, governors, and the king's associates crowded around to look at them. The fire hadn't done anything to them. Their hair wasn't singed. Their garments looked the same as before. They didn't even smell like fire. Nebuchadnezzar declared, May the, the God of Shadrach, 
Meshach and Abednego be praised. He sent his messenger to rescue the servants who trusted him. They ignored the king's order, sacrificing their bodies because they wouldn't serve or worship any god but their god. I now issue a decree to every people, nation, and language. Whoever speaks disrespectfully about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's god will be torn limb from limb and their house made a trash heap because there is no other god who can rescue like this. Then the king made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prosperous in the province of Babylon. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Amen. Being stuck at home, there's been a little more time for TV watching. I've noticed that there are a lot of survival shows available. Shows with the theme of people alone in the wilderness needing to survive against nature by their wits and skills. On Netflix, there's a show called You vs. Wild, which features a host in a variety of sticky situations in the wilderness. This particular show gives you an interactive option to choose how the host will respond, like should he stop and spend the night in a cave or keep going so he can get the medicine to the village on time? You get to choose with a click of your remote and then watch the scenario play out right in front of you to find out if you chose the correct option. Shows like You vs. Wild are obviously meant to be entertaining, but their underlying storylines are about survival. They lead us to imagine how we would behave if we were in one of the deadly predicaments and needed to try to survive. The popularity of wilderness survival shows came to mind for me not just because we've been stuck at home for months on end wishing we could get out of the house, but because the shows came to mind as I was studying the book of Daniel for our sermon series. You see, the stories in the book of Daniel are actually stories about survival. They are meant to entertain, and part of why these stories have survived so long is because they are good, dramatic stories. But they are also meant to teach survival skills, just survival skills of a different kind. As for genre, the stories in the book of Daniel might be called court tales, that is, stories about Jewish people at the court of a foreign king. Beyond entertainment, the purpose of these court tales, as we understand it, may have been to help Jewish people scattered in the diaspora to maintain a Jewish identity and lifestyle while they were under foreign rule. Daniel and his cohort were probably meant to be an exemplary model as they strike the balance between loyalty to the non-Jewish rulers and faithfulness to their God and their religious tradition. This fine line is on display in the story from the third chapter of Daniel that we heard for today. In this account, King Nebuchadnezzar built a huge golden statue and our heroes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship this statue, remaining loyal to their God, the God of Israel. Reading closely, the text doesn't actually tell us what the statue was of. Was it a likeness of Nebuchadnezzar or something else? 
For example, once there was a king of Babylon named Nabonidus, recorded in the historical record, who built a huge cult image of the moon god, tried to impose a whole new theology, and forced people to worship this image on threat of roasting in an oven, to the horror of everyone, including traditional Babylonian religious leaders. So Nebuchadnezzar, not unlike Nabonidus, has built some kind of golden statue, a statue to something left to our imaginations. And he has commanded everyone to fall down and worship whenever music plays on pain of death in a furnace of blazing fire. And we're told that because of this order, all the peoples, nations, and languages bowed down and worshiped the gold statue the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Can you imagine how strange and disruptive this would be to be going about your business and at any moment the music starts up and you have to fall down and worship a statue? No matter what the statue is of, building it and having people fall down to it on his command is about Nebuchadnezzar having control over people's bodies and lives. Into this background, enter some busybody Chaldeans of the king's court, who are jealous of the king's three advisors, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom the king has appointed to oversee the affairs of the province of Babylon. They've noticed, these advisors, the uh, jealous Chaldeans, have noticed that these three young men do not bow down to the giant statue whenever the music plays. And Nebuchadnezzar flies into a furious rage. He brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him and demands that they fall down and worship the statue at the sound of the music. Otherwise, the king will throw them into a furnace of golden fire. And as Nebuchadnezzar says, then what God will rescue you from my power? Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer the king, saying, We don't need to answer your question. If our God, the one we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of flaming fire and from your power, your majesty, then let him rescue us. But if he doesn't, know this for certain, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you've set up. So Nebuchadnezzar, his face twisted with rage, orders his furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than normal and has his strongest soldiers tie the men up and throw them into the fire. The fire is so hot that it kills the soldiers as they get close to it. The king, watching this unfold, is suddenly astonished and asks, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? because Nebuchadnezzar sees four men in the furnace. He says, look, I see four men unbound, walking around inside the fire, and they aren't hurt. And the fourth one looks like one of the gods. So he calls to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come out of the fire, and they come out completely unharmed, not burnt at all. Then Nebuchadnezzar declared, May the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be praised. He sent his messenger to rescue his servants who trusted him. 
They ignored the king's order, sacrificing their bodies because they wouldn't serve or worship any god but their god. I now issue a decree to every people, nation, and language. Whoever speaks disrespectfully about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's god will be torn limb from limb, so he doesn't get any gentler, and their house made a trash heap because there is no other god who can rescue like this. And the story ends happily with the king made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prosperous in the province of Babylon. As I said before, this story and others like it were probably meant to set an example for displaced Jewish people and to reassure, reassure them that even though they were under foreign rule, God was still with them. You see, in the story, we see that the young men are able to successfully maintain positions of some power and earn the trust of the king while serving in a foreign court. Yet, when the time comes to choose between bowing down to a false god because the king commands it and death, they choose death. We know these young men will survive, but they didn't know it. In fact, they express that they are not sure whether they will be rescued. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not have any idea what will happen when they are thrown into the furnace, but their highest loyalty is to God rather than the king, and they take this responsibility deathly seriously. This, the fact that the men believe it is their responsibility to be loyal to God, no matter what the outcome is, is an example of persistence in their faith. They are obedient to God, even when they are not sure what the outcome will be. As Christians in Sonoma County in the 21st century, we are far removed from the original audience of this account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yet this story is part of our scriptural canon and has relevance for us today because this story is about maintaining your loyalty to God, having persistence in your faith, even when you are not sure what the outcome will be. We are living in a historically unprecedented time when much is uncertain, from national and global situations like the pandemic the current political climate and upcoming election, and white awakening around systemic racism and the Black Lives Matter movement, all the way to upheaval close to home, with schools moving online and the church building being closed. In many ways, we are displaced and disoriented. When we are displaced and disoriented, what is our responsibility? Well, according to the example set in the book of Daniel, we are to do our best to get along in our circumstances as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, but to remember that our number one loyalty and responsibility is to God, no matter what the outcome might be. We are called to live as God's people, even under extraordinary circumstances. And as Christians today call to live as God's people, I think this story speaks to us in a few ways. First, the statue in our story is left up to our imaginations. Maybe it's Nebuchadnezzar, 
Maybe it's a statue of a cultic god. Maybe it's something else altogether. I think it's worth reflecting on our own lives and our own culture to see if we have a gold statue, some kind of false idol, even if only an imaginary one, built up that is taking the place of worshiping the only God worthy of our praise and loyalty. The best way to know this is to get really clear on who our God is, to read the Gospels, and to learn as much as we can about who Jesus Christ was and is, how he lived, what he taught, and why he died. He is to be our shepherd and guide. As we are discerning what is real and true in the world and how to behave when our world is disoriented, we must go back to Jesus Christ. Second, it's important to note and remember the king's order to bow down to the statue is accompanied by much musical fanfare. He's got all kinds of musicians there and also accompanied by the threat of death. As the people are ordered to regularly stop whenever they hear the music and fall down to worship the image Nebuchadnezzar has had constructed. Distraction and fear are combined by the king to control the people. This is a technique as old as time to solidify power. The leader uses distraction and fear in order to control the people in his land. In our story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a higher calling and aren't able to be controlled. Like the three, story, three heroes in our story who don't get caught up in the distraction and fear, we need to do the same. As Christians, we must get more savvy about what information is real and true and what news type stuff is carefully crafted by those desiring power to both distract us and instill fear. We need to learn to better distinguish between reality and manipulation so we can make our best choices based on the truth with our number one guiding principle being God's command that we love the Lord and our neighbors as ourselves. This is literally life and death when dealing with our values and behavior, for example, around COVID, around the Black Lives Matter movement, and around the upcoming election. There is a secular element to learning to distinguish between real and false information. But the additional layer for us as Christians is to check ourselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ to help us to know how to make our choices. For example, there's been a lot of controversy around mask wearing lately. It's in the news a lot and whether it infringes on personal choice, barring a medical reason not to wear one. Well, as Christians, we can be guided by what we know about Jesus and ask ourselves whether the choice to wear a mask shows love for our neighbors and concern for God's people. Or as another example, the idea of systemic racism in our country has been being talked about a lot and some folks are feeling burned out on it and I totally understand that it's a lot. Personally, I believe systemic racism is real. 
But even if you don't, as Christians, we can ask ourselves as we read the Gospels, where did Jesus spend his time? Who was he listening to and speaking up for? Mostly the disenfranchised, the people being crushed at the bottom of the Roman power structure. So that gives us an answer as to where our hearts need to be too, if we want to follow Jesus. Last, let's talk about what happened inside the furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar is astonished when he sees that there are not three, but four people inside the furnace. And he says the fourth one looks like one of the gods. Some scholarly debate has happened around who this fourth figure is. Some say it was an angel there to protect the men. And others say this was a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the fire. Because when Nebuchadnezzar speaks about it, he says the figure in the Aramaic says the figure has the appearance like a son of the gods. But perhaps it is left unclear so that God can speak to us each through the Spirit as we read and remember the one who comes to us in times of trouble, just as God has come clearly to protect Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I started out today talking about survival shows because it was a fun sort of hook into our story from Daniel, a way that helped me connect how stories that entertain can also function with a real message about life. Today in life, the good news that we can carry with us from the story of the golden statue and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that God is with us. When we are disoriented or afraid, we know that we are not alone. God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.